0: Chapter 7, verse 1 of Mark, the Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw the great things he was doing. Does everybody have your Bibles open? Mark chapter 7. Come on now. If you don't have a Bible, we can give it to you there. Uh, No, they saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unclean, that is unwashed. Now, obviously, the disciples probably rinsed off their hands, but what the situation was is they didn't rinse their hands off ceremonially. They weren't uh, clean in the Jewish way. Remember, I told you that the Jews, uh, the Pharisees and, the, and the, uh, the teachers of the law, they were really into dotting your I's and crossing your T's. And when they, would, they didn't understand something about the, uh, the law that was given in the Old Testament, They would go ahead and expound upon it and expound upon it, kind of like, you know, our legislatures. They keep going to where it's so overly defined, you can't trim your trees without, you know, getting a permit. You know, and if you did, you're you're in trouble. And so these guys were pretty much the action police, and they would go around and say, hey, listen, you're following Jesus here, and you haven't washed your hands ceremonially. And what that was... Was that they would to take a log of oil or something that was equivalent to two eggshells worth, and they would pour it on their hands with their hands down first. And obviously, they couldn't do this themselves, so you know, and what happened is the, the oil would, would, would pour, and they would wash it in their hands like this, and then someone would take water and they' pour it over their hands like this. And so the water would fall off your fingertips. and then. You went like this and had your fingertips up. And then they pour the water again so it would drip off your wrists because the water that was on there was unclean. You couldn't get it on your body, right? If you did, and you know, who knows? You had to take a bath or something, but it would just roll down and drip off. The, and that's what they had to do. And they do this several times while they're eating. How's that? That's a lot of fun. And they do all this type of stuff, these traditions of the elders. Not our elders, their elders, okay? It's not in the bylaws, believe me. They had to do this several times, and they did many such things. They had many such things like this. They had pots that they used to cook food with. And say a fly, you know, they saw a fly on it. Well, that fly perhaps landed on a Gentile earlier in the day, and now it landed on your pot, and so that pot was unclean. And so if it was on the outside, they had to wash it in a certain ceremonial way to get it Clean again, you know? I mean, certain type of soap or whatever. But if it landed on the inside, uh oh, that was done. You had to crush it, and you had to crush it to where the pieces were so small you couldn't take uh, a little bit of oil and anoint your pinky toe. It had to be that crushed. But if it was brass, then you were okay. You could wash it in a certain way, and get back together. If it was a flat plate, then it could be clean again. But if it had a curl on the edge, uh oh, no. And I've talked to you many, many times about these types of things. So these people were under this heavy, heavy burden in their society. And even more so for the followers of Jesus, a disciple of Christ, of a rabbi. And so these guys were watching going, okay, why aren't you following the traditions of the elders here? And it's blatantly obviously here and, and that they didn't. And the second thing I wanted you to to notice here in verse 3 is that you see the parentheses? This is one of the ways that we know that this gospel was not written for a Jewish audience. It was written for a Gentile audience because they're having to explain cultural uh, importances. So as you're sitting here reading, uh, and you get to the place where uh saw some of his disciples eating food with his hands that were unclean, that is unwashed, and then they have to expound upon it. Verse 3, the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. You know, when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they're not talking about just washing with soap, Right? Unless they washed. And they observed many other traditions, such as washing of cups and pitchers and kettles. And so the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? Why aren't you doing it the way we we've prescribed it? And Jesus responds, reading out of you know how to win friends and influence people. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it was written. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have let go of the commandments of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. You let go of the commandments of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. How easy is it for us to go ahead and replace the traditions of God with, you know, I mean, the commandments with God with the traditions of men? It is so easy. It's very easy. And, you know, even things we think that he requires of us or think we think we think he said i just thought of a few in in my mind um you know god helps those who not in the bible (laughs) what it actually kind of helps the humble and the merciless and those who aren't prideful right doesn't mean we don't do things right but i'm just saying it's just not in the bible cleanliness is next to not in there i'm sure god likes things clean but he sure loves to get in the mud with us, I tell you that. Money is the root of all that's not what it says. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Big difference there. Big difference. Three wise men. What? There weren't three wise men, there were three gifts. We assume that there are three wise men, because there were three gifts. They weren't three wise men, but a song comes along and our theology changes. Be careful, <laughs> you know. I just uh, angels singing. What? No, it says they say. Doesn't say they sing. Doesn't mean they don't sing. But it doesn't say that they do. Whoops. Sorry, Lord. You know. Angels sing. <laughs> Thank you, Gary. Didn't want to ruin the carpet here. we're working on it (laughs) angels aren't female or babies with little wings what not in there actually they get kind of funky as you start reading they get four heads and six wings and nine wings or whatever it is they're always revealed in the masculine. Always in Scripture. That's kind of interesting. Kind of messes with you. But things we think that we hold traditions, you know? I, I want to go on. How about Christmas? <laughs> Not in there. Sorry. At all. And I won't go into any more details because it's the third grade nut. But, I mean... But is it a time? Is it a good tradition? Yeah, we get to remember Jesus. We get to, you know, to worship him and and to give of ourselves. Some traditions can be good. But is it in there? Does God command us to remember that? No, he doesn't. But I get to. Isn't that fun? But it's not in there. What if we didn't have Christmas next year? We didn't sing any of the songs. We didn't do any of it. Because we felt like, you know what, this is a time to do something else. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, yeah, exactly. Charles <laughs> <always> going, <goes>, uh. <laughs> blasphemy. You know, <laughs> why aren't you holding to the traditions of Christmas? You know, what I mean, <laughs> it's like Easter, not in there. The story is in there. Did Jesus die and right or is it again from the from the dead? But these holidays. They were pagan holidays adapted by the church and kind of all thrown together. Why do we have a Christmas tree? Why do we have a Yule log? Think about it. Easter bunny eggs. Think about these things. They have histories. Romans had some fun back then. But traditions that we hold, that we think are commands from God. Very interesting. And that's as deep as I'll go right now. But... I want you to know traditions can be really good. They help us, re, re, uh, you know. I don't want to be anti tradition. Traditions can be very good things. Family traditions. How many of you enjoy family? Well, that's probably a bad example. Let's go to, you know, but really, family traditions. Some of those things are very valuable to us. They help remember where we come from and remember uh, family and, and love and time to get together. These are great traditions. You know, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he praised the Corinthians for following his examples and the traditions he gave. He gave them traditions to follow. I want you guys to follow me as I follow Christ. But here's some examples of the traditions. And here, he was speaking about the things on the head for the ladies. But, you know, the traditions were important. The second thing, you know, to Timothy in in chapter 3, Paul exhorts him to continue in the faith, to continue in the teaching that he had learned. To continue in the traditions he had been taught since he was a little boy. To continue in those things. And then he talks about, right in the very next verse, as you continue, the word of God is profitable. He starts talking about the word for correction, rebuke, and all these types of things. Continue in the word of God. That's a good tradition, wouldn't you say? But when we start taking things that God has never decided to put upon us and we start saying that they are whoa that's not a good situation you know when church leaders start coming up with laws and bylaws and rules and put them on the same part as god's command look out how many of you come from a a catholic background i don't want to knock my brothers and sisters who have put their heart and their their lives in the hands of jesus christ but I look at many of the traditions in that aspect of, of Christianity and and their heresy. They're absolute heresy. I know this is hard and it's kind of but I mean look at it. Where does the scripture where does God command us to pray to Mary or to worship Mary? He doesn't. At all. That's scary. Or to touch idols and and things like that, which which they call something else to to justify it. I just, in my heart, that that just breaks my heart. You know, when are we where are we supposed to pray to the saints? You know, since when has the Pope become infallible? When Peter, you know, was supposed to be the first Pope in the New Testament? He says, "Hey, I'm just a man like you. Don't fall down and worship me." I don't. You know, again, we've got to remember to put it back upon what he says, not upon what man puts upon us. Our relationship with God. Purgatory, you know, why can't priests marry? All these types of things. You know, Jesus was really ticked at the guys who were putting these burdensome yokes. You know, of man-made rules and regulations on the backs of the people. He's very upset with this. And you see it as a constant theme throughout his ministry. You know, when men get in the way, it gets complicated. It gets heavy. It gets burdensome. It gets difficult. You know, you want to get Jesus mad? You want to get Jesus really upset? Start making up traditions and calling them gods. Start telling them, hey, in order for you to be right with God, you've got to do these seven things systematically. You know, if you aren't in a home fellowship, then God's not going to love you. (laughs) That's not the case at all. But we know that these things are good for us. And so come and join us is the thing. Not that if you don't do it, you're going to be ostracized. Like, eh, they don't go to home fellowship. Love you anyways. God's working on you. He loves you. But I just want to... Encourage you, don't let these yokes be put upon you that God did not. But God did say, hey, don't forsake the fellowship of the brother. And that doesn't mean on Sundays, that means all the time. Are we in fellowship with one another? This is an opportunity that we give to do that. Man's burden is a ton of bricks. You know? If you want to get Jesus upset, start doing that. Start making it harder for people to get to God instead of the way He set it up. Jesus would cry out in the middle of one of these festivals. (laughs) You know, he just stand and he would cry out in the middle of Jerusalem. He just stood up. He said, you know, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He screamed it out to the people who were under this load. Come to me. If you're weary in your souls and you're burdened because of all this, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and I am humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. How many of you have rest in your souls following after Christ? What kind of burdens are on your back that should not be on your back today? That aren't of the Lord? That perhaps, you know, someone, uh, you know, maybe even a parent or someone pushed upon you as a little kid or, or a priest or someone, you know, a pastor, who knows? What does he say? Do we know him? Do we know his burdens that he wants to have on us? To love one another, that should be the burden of our heart. To share the, the gospel with the lost. That is a correct burden. These are the burdens of the Lord. My burden is light. These things should flow from our lives. You will find rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Man's burdens are like a ton of bricks. Oh, but the burdens of the Lord are good. They're good for us. And he continued. You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God to, to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother. And he's given an example. To follow your own traditions, you're throwing away what God really wants. And, he, and Jesus gives an example. For Moses said, right, in the Ten Commandments, honor your father and your mother. And anyone who curses their father and mother is to be put to death. Kind of a serious rule, huh? He wants us to honor our mothers and our fathers. This is what, you know, he's saying. But you... Say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father and mother is korban, that is devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father and mother. Thus, you nullify the word of God by your traditions that you have handed down, and you do many things like this. You know, men and women were to honor and respect and to take care of their parents in their older age. As they've taken care of them, they were to take care of them back. What would happen is to get out of these obligations, they would say, oh, you know, my assets and stuff, they're devoted to God, so I can't use them for your Mom and Dad. Sorry about that. The priest would go, yes, they're devoted to God. Now tell me about the heart of God here. What's the heart? To have all your assets and all your stuff devoted to God or to love your mother and father? <laughs> Something's backwards here. And Jesus was looking at this situation going, what's going on? What's going on? This should be a natural outflowing. This is even earthly. Just love your mother and father. We all know mother and father mess up and all that stuff. But, you know, and there, we can go into several different scenarios. I understand there's, you know, some bad situations. Want to keep it PG, okay? Those are... Those are situations that, that obviously are not very black and white. They need to be discussed and, and things. So, just wanted to clarify that. Don't want to put a guilt trip on anybody. God knows these things, He understands what you're going through. Don't feel that that's the heart of it. I'm talking about people who should be taking care of their parents, but they don't because they say they're doing something religious. It's very difficult. You know, newsflash, God's work is honoring your mother and your father. Are we what, this is a question I wrote down for for myself. Uh, We have to ask ourselves the hard question. Are we doing what we are doing because God has said it? You know, ask yourself this question in your relationship with the Lord. What does he really require? What does he really require of us? What is he asking us to do? What is the burden that God wants to have on our heart? And the second thing is, do I project God like this to my family and my friends and the world around me? Do I project God in traditions and things that he didn't really want to have on me to others? Am I continuing that cycle? Or am I truly, in my heart, reflecting what God has for me? How good. It has for us to love one another these simple, simple things. The light burden of the Lord Jesus Christ or is it heavy and burdensome in traditions. Again, verse 14, Jesus called the crowd and said to them, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it's what comes out of a person that defiles them. Five more minutes. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked? Jesus kind of harsh sometimes, huh? Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of their body. And saying this, and in parentheses again, Jesus explaining In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. That is a big issue to the Jew. You can have a ham sandwich now. Verse 20, he went on. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. It's not what you eat. You know, it's not caffeine. It's not, you know, eating certain things on certain days and all these types of things. It's, that's not what defiles you, makes you wrong with God. It's what's already inside of you that made you wrong with God. And this is the core problem with humanity. We believe that God is that man is basically good. Wouldn't you want to say that about yourself? I am basically good. So why not? No, Jesus is saying, you know where all these problems come from? They come from the human heart. They come from inside us. Each one of us. You know, we've been taught that we're basically good. You know that it's our circumstances around us. How many blame everything that's happened on you about your circumstances? They definitely do influence us. Okay, just me and Tim. We're good, Tim. That's, I think that's why we both have headaches. <laughs> we found the problem. We're basically good then. No. Oh. Adam and Eve in the garden. What did God say when he put them there? It is good. And he put all these things around him. He said, man, this is good. When he put them in there, he said, this is very good. They had a perfect environment around them. Everything was to their benefit. It was wonderful. But they wanted more. The tempter came. And out of the heart, these things. And since that day, guess what's in our DNA? Guess what's in our soul? That same spirit. We are by nature children of wrath. We are constantly in rebellion against God. That's who we are at the core of our hearts. Some of us express it a little more than others, don't huh? amen? Some of them get locked up for it, but some of us are, you know, kind of tame. But each of us has this incredible ability for all these things that Jesus talked about. Lying, murdering, slander, gossip. That's the core of humanity. That's who they are. You know? And I look at this sad situation that happened in Arizona. Just horrible. You know, and... It's Sarah Palin's fault, or whatever. You know what I mean? They go off on. It's like, you know what happened? That person was evil. They had evil in their heart, and it wasn't tamed, and it mastered him, and he let it out, and he killed people. It came out of his heart. That's who he was. you know it's not caffeine or the things that we put in our hearts that that make us defile with god that's how you know we we need the grace of god demonstrated in jesus christ in our lives apart from christ we are lost we are left with our own evil in our heart did you know that for God so loved you in spite of you that he sent his son. He saw that you were far away, and he saw there was no cure, that that is just who you are, by nature alienated from him. He said, I love you. I know you're far away, but I'm bringing you back, and I'm going to pay the price for who you are. And do you know what the scriptures say? That when you call upon the Lord Jesus, forgive me, my sin, God. Forgive me. I've sinned against you. This is who I am. You've called it. Scriptures say that he then makes you a new creation. Yeah, Romans teaches us about that battle that goes on inside. But you can have victory over sin. You can have victory over the flesh. You can have victory over that evil as the spirit of God indwells you. And as you choose, now you can choose to follow him. As he gives you the power to walk daily. So yeah, home fellowships are wonderful because we hang around other believers and we're encouraging one another, sharpening another, following the Lord as he empowers us. Prayer is wonderful. Bible study is wonderful. Sharing the gospel is wonderful. All these things. Denying ourselves daily and following Jesus Christ. But apart from Jesus, we are lost. We need him to save us. And that is the only thing we stand on. Not self-righteousness. Not the ability for me to do a certain amount of good things and then I'm right with God. If I drink the cup in a certain way or if I don't do this and I do that, then I'll be right with God. No. That's works. saved alone by the grace of God. Now, because I am saved, then, out of love, out of this devotion, then all the good works flow. The reason why I'm here on Sunday mornings... Because I love him. The reason why, you know, the Bible studies and the prayer and all that stuff, you know, like Kayla's talking, I just can't get enough of him. We love him. We want to be around him. We want other people to know him. It just flows out of your life. He's the answer. How many of you are living like that? You know, and Joel, I want to read this part of of Joel real quickly in closing because I am two minutes past. Forgive me. finding joel here joel chapter 2 says even now declares the lord return to me with all your heart with fasting and weeping and mourning rend your heart and not your garments a sign of being repentant back then is that you tear your clothes and Jesus is saying, I want a torn heart. I don't want the outward actions. I want your heart ripped open before me. I'm, I need you, Lord God. How many of you need him today? Okay, half of you. Seriously, how many of you need him today? A broken heart before the Lord saying, God, help me. You know, in Psalm 51, when David was caught on his sin, Nathan came before him, and then David, and he says, oh, man, I'm caught, and he starts crying out to God this song. Psalm 51 is a song in response to him being caught with um, Bathsheba. And he cries out, and he says, you know what, God? You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You don't delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. What? What? You know, you do not deny go into church, or I would go. You do not take pleasure in me giving my tithes and offerings, or I would give them. This is, a, this is revolving your sin. I'm just trying to put it in modern-day language here. Now, obviously, those things are things we do because we love them, but not to get right with God. He says this. He says, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Contrite means bruised, a broken and bruised heart. These things, oh God, you will not despise. You will not reject. Friends, we can offer certain things in our worship, but they can be meaningless before God. He wants our hearts. The Pharisees were living a life that was outward, but inside their hearts were not there, and they were projecting that onto others. Let us not be those people. Lord Jesus, today we ask, that you would pierce our hearts, that our hearts would be ripped for you, open for you, to come in and heal us, Lord. And the evil that abides in us, Lord, would be quelled by your spirit. Forgive us, Father. Forgive us and make us the people that you've called us to be. Give us the strength and the joy and and the victory in this life that you have for us. Your son did not come to die so that we could live nominal Christian lives, so that we could live victorious, victorious, conquering Christian lives, following after you with all of our hearts, declaring your goodness day after day, denying ourselves and following you and lifting up the cross, walking worthy of the call that you've given us laying down the, the, the stones, uh, the, the weights that, that keep us from moving forward in you and, and just going for it and running the race that would bring you glory, Lord. I pray that you would cast down the weights of our hearts, the sin that snares us, Lord, the evil that we struggle with, and that your, your love would fill us, Lord, we would become worshipers of you, not in song, not with just lips, Lord, but our lives, True worship, Father. And if there's any of you here today that want to be saved, that want God to forgive me, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, now is the time. If you want to do that, raise your hand, and I will pray for you. We will pray together. Anyone. God bless you. Anyone else. Want to give your life to Jesus Christ. To know, to know, to know that you've been forgiven. He loves you let's pray together from our hearts the person who raise your hand will you just pray from your heart with me Lord Jesus forgive me because I'm a sinner I've been evil through and through and I ask that you would cleanse me because you died on the cross And I believe that you rose again. And because of that, I'm going to have new life starting today. Thank you, Father. Help me to follow you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Brothers and sisters, all in, render your heart, not your garments.